Father, thank you for your incredible word. And Lord, we pray this morning, would you speak to us? Help us to be attentive to your voice above all the other noise, all the other things that clamor for our attention. Would you help us to give our attention to you now? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I wonder what the very best news is that you've ever received. Perhaps it was the news that your football team had won a significant match. Uh, Perhaps the news that a baby that was wanted is on the way. Perhaps news of a promotion or an all clear on a health check. I wonder what that very best news is that you've received in your life so far. And I wonder if anywhere in the noise of all that, there's the good news of the Christian faith. I think Valerie's smiling at me, so she knows. It's brilliant news, isn't it, the Christian faith? This news that us humans get to be children of God. And I think that we don't think about that enough. See, in our passage, if you go a little bit further, I think it says it very best in verse 9. So if you open up 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9 it says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There are some people in this world that are blessed with all kinds of confidence. Um, I've heard footballers, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm what's going to win the team. Uh, There's some people that seem to walk through life with this incredible confidence of who they are. But most of us, I think, don't. And probably most of us swing between thinking we're pretty great and then something goes wrong. Oh, I'm pretty terrible. Oh, I'm pretty great again oh, I'm pretty terrible, and and, and we can kind of swing like that. But listen to what God says about you. God says, you are chosen. You are chosen. We give ourselves and each other all kinds of names, don't we? The brainy one, the pretty one, the clever one the sporty one, the sophisticated one. God says you're the chosen one. The chosen one. I wonder if that sits comfortably or uncomfortably with you today. Some of us aren't so sure to be called the chosen one, that sounds a little arrogant, maybe. Maybe we know, and God knows, all those things we've done wrong in our lives, so we're not sure that really God could have us as the chosen one. And yet that is what he says over you and I today. You are a chosen one. You see, as Christians... We're invited to no longer compare ourselves horizontally, as it were, to view us, instead, we're to view ourselves 
vertically. Horizontally is where we look around, and it's easy to do this. I do it all the time. He's cleverer than me. She's faster than me. He's more handsome than me. She's more confident than me. And we compare ourselves horizontally with the people around us because that's all we can see often. And we forget instead to live in the light of the vertical reality. And the vertical reality is living in the light of what does God say about me? And what does God think about me? Because that's more important, entirely more important than the horizontal viewpoint. And God says, you are a chosen one. You're a royal priesthood and you belong to me. When we compare ourselves horizontally, we do some terrible things in life. We, first of all, damage ourselves because often we feel depressed. There's so much research out there at the moment, isn't there, about how bad social media is. Because essentially on social media, you post all the wonderful pictures. You post pictures of you with crowds of people. You post pictures of yourself looking at your most beautiful. You edit things. You change things. And you can make your life look amazing. Like every day is the highlight, this best day ever. And, and someone else can be sat at their computer screen looking at your wonderful profile and just think your life is so amazing. Oh, my life's not that amazing. I don't have that many friends. I haven't done anything that exciting this weekend. And so we can damage ourselves when we compare horizontally. We become depressed. We can uh, put ourselves down. We can become inactive. We can go into a shell. We can cause ourselves a lot of stress to try and be better person than we are. But we also do something else damaging. Not only do we damage ourselves, but we put pressure on those that we place on a pedestal. That person that we've said, they're cleverer than me, they're prettier than me, they're more confident than me. We've placed them above us somehow. And that puts a lot of pressure on them. It often stops us relating very well to them. It often means that we don't see perhaps the things that they struggle with in life. And so we damage our society and our community when we just look horizontally. And God says, no. I want you to look vertically. I want you to know what I say about you. You are chosen. You are my royal priesthood. You belong to me. And as we absorb that truth comes this incredible security that the God of the universe who created me knows my place in it. He knows my weaknesses and my strengths. And he chose me and he loves me and he has purpose for me. And I get to be one of those stones built into the priesthood of God. And that is so incredible and so amazing that I don't need to be worried. I can be free from this comparison game that we trap ourselves into. And I can live my life fully 
as the person I am with what God has given me and I can live as his chosen one and I can live free. You see, we learn that something very important about God's chosen people as we dig into the passage. In verse 9, we hear that those people are in no way to be arrogant. Why? Because all of the chosen ones were called out of darkness into light. None of the chosen ones of God have ever been perfect. Actually, we've all been in equal need of God. We've been pulled out of darkness and into light. Therefore, there is no arrogance amongst us. I'm not to sit here and go, Valerie's so much better than me. I mean, in many ways, she is, obviously, humanly. But before God, we're both just sinners. We've both been pulled out of darkness and into light. And so as we work together to share God's light in Chiswick, I'm not to compare myself with Valerie. She's not to compare herself with me. Rather, together, we're to stand as God's light in this place. The second thing that we learn that we are chosen is that we are utterly precious to God, that we were worth dying for, that we are princes and princesses in the kingdom, that we are made to be his. We're to reflect this wonderful God. We've been chosen. We've been called out. We have a special place. And there's a few things that we can just look at very quickly to unpack this a little bit further. Firstly, the passage tells us that although we're chosen, as it says in verse 9 and verse 4, although we're chosen, we're chosen to declare the praises of Jesus. We are the chosen ones who have a purpose. And I wonder if you've ever reflected on this, but Peter, the guy who's writing this, do you know what Jesus said about Peter back in Matthew 16? Do you remember that awkward conversation where Jesus says to Peter, who do you say I am? And everyone's like, ooh, what's he going to say? And he has this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah, and so he says it. And Jesus turns to Peter and he affirms Peter and he says, Peter, you are my rock. On you, I'm going to build my church. Now, here we are in the book of Peter, and he's talking about the building of the church, and he's talking about rock stones being built together. Does he mention himself? No. He doesn't mention himself at all, does he? The one that Jesus has actually said, you're my rock and I'm going to build my church on, when he starts talking about the church being built as living stones, does he mention himself? No. Why? Because there's only one stone that's really important, Jesus. And he knows that even though he's being blessed by God and given a task to do, he is but yet another living stone amongst many. He has learnt not to compare himself with the other stones around him. And so he doesn't mention himself. And so it is to be with us today that we are to recognise that we are amongst God's chosen ones. But being chosen 
in this earthly life um, doesn't mean things are all hunky-dory either. We hear in verse 7 of Jesus, the ultimate chosen one, being rejected. And at times, we as God's people will be rejected too. Sometimes we'd rather be popular, wouldn't we, and not have to deal with that, not have to face rejection. Yet the reality is, even though we are God's chosen ones, there will be times when we are rejected for being Christ's. And that's a reality. And I love the way that scripture never hides that from us. So in the one moment that it's telling us, you are the chosen ones, you're the special ones of God, it doesn't then say, and now on, your life will be prosperous and everything will be amazing for you and you'll be totally popular. No, rather, like your Jesus who was rejected, even though you are chosen, you will sometimes be rejected. And when the rubber hits the road, we need to know the whole truth of that in our heads because we're so tempted that as soon as something goes wrong, we say, God doesn't love me anymore. I'm not that special to God. How many times do we hear that in ourselves and one another when stuff goes wrong? But no... Do you know what? You're chosen, but you're living in a fallen world. It means sometimes you will suffer rejection for being Christ. Sometimes you'll be on the end of just the corruptionness and fullnessness of this earth, whether that's through illness, suffering in any kind of way. And the passage doesn't hide that. So, firstly, we're chosen, but it's all about Jesus. We're chosen, but that doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. We'll sometimes be rejected. And finally, we're chosen, but we're chosen alongside others. And verse 5 speaks about how we're being built together into a spiritual house. I was listening to someone on this passage, and they said, in London, we live with such a huge tension. On the one hand, we want to have community. And on the other hand, we don't want to pay the cost for it. This passage is inviting us to pay a cost and come into community as chosen ones together, being built together as those stones. If you get different shaped stones and you put them together to make a building, the building's only going to be strong if those stones fit really well together, which is, means some are going to be, need to be smoothed, shaped, pulled at a bit, some are going to have bits broken off, and there's something uncomfortable about that. As we come together as living stones and we grate alongside one another, I have to sit next to that annoying person, oh gosh, I'm actually going to have to work out how to follow Jesus alongside this annoying person, or whatever it is, there's an uncomfortableness, there's a cost to being in community. But the cost is worth paying. Why? Because when those stones are fitted together as the royal priesthood of God, we get together to declare the only one that matters praises, and that's Jesus. But also we get to look really attractive to those who don't yet know Jesus. And part of knowing that you are chosen and special to God comes with a bit of a responsibility to then live that out. That others that aren't yet stones in the building might come and join the building.
May you know today if what you need to hear is that you are chosen, that you are chosen. God has chosen you. How special is that? So incredible. God has chosen you. God delights in you and he has chosen you. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. May God bless you. Amen.